want to invite you to have a seat, and as you're doing that, I just want to echo that word of encouragement that uh, Pastor Stacy and Miss Aaron and Miss India extended to our students, and not only them, to the parents and teachers and faculty, everybody that's involved, bus drivers, everybody that's going to be involved when that alarm goes off in the morning and school starts back. I wish you well, and I'm praying the best for you. Uh, typically, on a Sunday morning in worship, the kids would leave for kids' church long about before now, but uh, we've invited them to stay in. And so for all the kids that are still in the room, all the students, middle, high school, elementary school, whatever, one of the reasons that we invite you to stay in is because we want you to be a part of worship fully. But the other reason this morning is because the people around you are going to need your help in just a minute. When we get to the puzzle that we put up on the screen, they're going to need your help. So be paying attention, all right? Those folks need you. Because puzzles are fun. I, I think so. I enjoy them. I mean, they're interesting challenging, can stretch your thinking a little bit, keep your mind nimble. I I enjoy a good puzzle. In fact, there's research that shows that if you regularly do some kind of puzzle, right, whatever form it may take itself, uh, that you can actually slow the aging process of your brain. Keep your brain young. The more puzzles you do, I'm doing multiple puzzles every day. <laughs> I'm doing my best, <laughs> right? I saw an amen and a thumbs up up there, right? Whatever kind of puzzle it might be, Sudoku, maybe you enjoy those. Uh, Rubik's Cube, we're actually going to have one of those solved in front of our very eyes next week in uh, under a minute. And, um, or, or Wordle, you know the Wordle? Uh, at the end of the month, we're going to do one of those together in here in worship. So if you're not familiar with the Wordle yet, you brush up a little bit. Or word search. I mean, there's all kinds of puzzles that are fun to do. Keep your mind churning, thinking, challenging the way we think and how we think. And, and the fact is, there's some things about our faith that are puzzling, challenging, stretch us, stretch our thinking. Some mysteries of the faith. Use biblical language. And so for the month of August, all the sermons are going to be in the direction of some aspect that is maybe puzzling or mysterious about our faith, whether it be uh, the idea of eternity or the resurrection or evil. Why is there evil in the world? But this morning, we're going to start off and consider the mystery of the sacraments. Those sacred acts, those sign acts that we participate in in the life of the church. And why and what they mean for us and, and consider the mystery of that. And so there's a place in the scriptures where Paul, the Apostle Paul, writes to the early church in Corinth about the mysteries of our faith. And I want to read that for us this morning as the basis for the message. This is from 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 6 through 10, and when I finish reading it, I just want to invite you to affirm it with me. I'll say this is the word of God for the people of God, and you say, thanks be to God. So would you hear now God's word for us? 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 through 10. What we say is wisdom to people who are mature, It isn't a wisdom that comes from the present day or from today's leaders 
who are being reduced to nothing, we talk about God's wisdom, which has been hidden as a secret. God determined this wisdom in advance before time began for our glory. It is a wisdom that none of the present day rulers have understood because if they did understand it, they would never have crucified the Lord of glory. But this is precisely what is written. God has prepared things for those who love him that no eye has seen or ear has heard or that haven't crossed the mind of any human being. God has revealed these things to us through the Spirit. The Spirit searches everything, including the depths of God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. What we find in these few verses in 1 Corinthians 2 is Paul making an effort to explain the unexplainable to these first century Christians. I mean, Paul is writing just a few years after the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus and trying to help these Christians make sense of how we live a life following that Jesus. And I mean, some things are just too big for words, too beautiful for words, like a that gorgeous sunset or the birth of a child or that most delicious meal you've ever eaten. You know, we, we go to explain it and it's just more than words can do justice. I was having a conversation with a member of our church this week who was telling me about a long-awaited trip that he'd been on and just gotten back and I was, tell me about it. I said, what, what was the most amazing part about it? What did you see? And he said, I, words just don't do it justice. And it's true of our faith as well. That there are things about living this life with God, living this life following Jesus, that are just more than words can explain. You have to experience it. And the way Paul describes it in this passage is he uses the word wisdom what we have what we talk about is wisdom wisdom that makes sense to the mature in other words people who've lived some life with Jesus who are open to God's work in their lives shaping and forming and maturing them what we have is God's wisdom in the Greek that word is Sophia I mean what what Paul is really saying here is there's a certain understanding a a perspective a vantage point to our lives to life to faith to God that is revealed to us given to us as a gift by God and in fact Paul is, is making this point Rather finally, because one of the things that he's addressing in this letter to the church at Corinth is a sort of a movement that had developed. Uh, one of the names that's been given to it is Gnosticism, but it was this movement that had developed in the age that was sort of coming alongside the church and even becoming part of the understanding or practice of the church that, that essentially said there is 
secret knowledge that you can have about God that other people won't have. And there's ways to obtain that knowledge. And, and they'd sort of even stratified society and the church and who has and doesn't have that knowledge. And, and you can come along with us and get that secret knowledge. And, and this had come into the church. And what Paul is writing to them is to say, now hold on, even your leaders don't understand this. This is not something of people. This is not something that somebody has a secret key to unlock, and if you'll do just what they tell you to, they'll give you some of that special juice too. This is, Paul is saying, this is a gift of God. This is wisdom and understanding and a perspective that is God's and God's alone, and in Jesus Christ, God has opened that up to all of us to experience and to come to know and understand this wisdom of God. And yet, Paul describes this wisdom as a hidden secret, which is part of the reason why this sort of perspective and attitude had developed, that there's something secret that some can know and some can't. But really, where this translation says hidden secret, other translations say mystery. In fact, that's the the Greek word that's translated here, hidden secret, is mysterion, which is where we get our word mystery. And that is actually just a, a noun. Here you go, going back to school. That is a noun form of a verb in ancient Greek, muo, which meant to shut the mouth. <laughs> so the word here for these hidden secrets of God that is translated mystery is actually comes from the root word that means to shut the mouth. <laughs> and, I, okay, I'll admit how I read that initially when I was preparing for the message this morning is a little bit different than I think maybe how it's intended in the translation, because I think how it's intended is that notion of a secret, that there's something that, you know, like a secret you don't tell. You keep your mouth shut. Somebody tells you a secret, you keep your mouth shut. This is a secret, a hidden secret. Muo, mysterium. But the way I read it was, like, there's some things about God. There's some things about life and faith that when we experience them, when we see them, when we receive them, they shut our mouths. Like in the awe and wonder of the presence of God, there's just nothing you can say. Nothing to be said. It's time to be quiet. And just receive it. And be blessed by it. By this mystery of our faith. Now I mentioned earlier that um, I enjoy doing puzzles. And, and I mentioned a particular kind of puzzle. The word search. I, I think this passage of scripture opening up for us an understanding about mystery just connects so well with the word search puzzles. It's in the bulletin. Probably you saw it if you have a bulletin. We're going to put it up on the screen just now. And, um, and here's why. There's a, there's a strategy to these. This is, okay, all the students in the room, everybody going back to school, word searches are a teacher's best friend. There's a secret. You know, either ramping up into the school year or winding down, they love to slide a word search across the table to the kids. A way to let them learn some things or keep them busy, whatever it may be. So I'm going to offer you some tips on word searches, okay? There's a strategy to these, you know? And, and I think the strategy to these 
is very similar to how we live into, experience, and receive the mystery of our faith, particularly in the sacraments. So here's the strategy to a word search. If you're doing it right now, go right ahead. If you're looking up there and looking for these words, baptism and and Jesus and communion and not listening to me, I understand. That's fine, but I'm going to keep talking. But here's the strategy, right? Is one way to come at a word search is look at the first letter of the word you're trying to find, right? And find it in the puzzle. And then you look around it at all the eight letters around it and see if the second letter of the word is there. And then you look out to the third, right? And that's how you can find a word. You know, there's another angle to that strategy. And you can look for letters that are rare, uncommon, unique, that wouldn't be in there very often. And so maybe you would look for the J in Jesus, and you look for a J and look around it because there's not very many and you work to find the word that way with an uncommon or you look for a combination of letters that are maybe unique or like in communion the double M so you'd look for where two M's are together in there and and you look for how you can make the word communion from that is this helpful are you finding the words is that yeah and I mean the neat thing about a word search right they can be forward they can be backward they can be horizontal vertical diagonal Oh, and there's the ever-elusive backward diagonal word that can be so hard to find. And who does, okay, if you do word searches, you know the joy, the thrill of what I'm about to describe. Who doesn't love finding a word that's not on the list? Yeah? You know what I mean. You love it, don't you, Esteban? Yeah. You already did it. I heard you. There's just something about, you know, just even that simple strategy of finding the first letter of the word or finding those combination of letters and then working out from it. And folks, I think this is how God invites us to understand the mystery of our faith. In particular, God has given us those couple of things that I named a minute ago, those sacred acts and practices of the church, the sacraments, as ways to find a place to start And then work out from there to see and gain perspective and understanding about life and about our faith and about experiences. Not unlike you starting in a word search with that first letter or with that letter combination. God has given us these two things that we call sacraments. Sacred mystery is actually where sacrament comes from. The sacred mystery. This holy set-aside moment activity, action that shuts your mouth (laughs) that just puts you in a place to receive the blessing of God's grace and a revelation even about faith and about life and the two sacraments that we practice in this church are communion and baptism These are two things that we know in the scriptures Jesus told his followers to do. He did them, and then he told us to do them. He shared in the communion meal, and he participated in baptism. Last week, we had communion in here. If you were here, you participated in that, and we do it on a regular basis. We come to the table of Christ together, receive a piece of bread, dip it in the juice, and in that way, we receive the body and blood of Christ for ourselves. That is representative of Jesus' sacrifice for us. That is representative of new life that Jesus offers us. And every time we receive that meal, we're fed by it. 
Similarly, we practice the sacrament of baptism, that we would be washed by the water, made clean, new, claimed by God as God's child. That's what happened when Jesus was baptized. It says the dove descended from heaven onto him, and they heard the voice of God, this is my child who I love, with whom I am well pleased. And when we baptize As a community, when we baptize someone, we're acknowledging that that person is claimed as a child of God, loved by God, and called by God to live a life of faith. And so these ordinary things, bread, grape juice, water, become the starting point, the first letter, the unique combination blessed by God for us to then grow in our understanding of what it means to follow Jesus. And it is a mystery. We take these things, we set them aside, we offer them to God, we ask God's blessing for them, and then we share in them, we partake in them. And we trust by faith that Jesus will meet us there in the waters of baptism, at the communion table. And in that way, we live into the mystery. We lean into it. We search it out. We seek it. Not only to understand it, but to be understood. Not only to make sense of it, but to be made more and more into the image of God who created us. Now, coming up in October, we already have a baptism on the calendar. We're going to be excited to celebrate uh, and baptize Aaron and Jay Smith's baby hunter that we just mentioned here a minute ago. But I want to extend that invitation to anybody in the room or with us online. If you've not been baptized or your child hasn't been baptized, I'd love to have that conversation with you. I'd be honored to be a part of that. And I know that I speak for this whole congregation to say we would be honored to be a part of your baptism, God claiming you as God's own. One of the things that we do in our life of faith together is we remember our baptism. We do it every time we baptize someone. We all are reminded of our own baptism. Maybe it's something you remember or not. As an infant, perhaps you don't have physical, tangible memories. You have things that you've been told, probably, pictures you've been shown, but maybe you don't remember being there yourself, first person. Or maybe you do remember your baptism. But we take that opportunity to remember and be reminded. We're also going to do that this morning. In just a little bit, we're going to sing a hymn, Take Time to Be Holy. And as we sing, you're invited to come and remember your baptism. There's water in bowls on either side. There's water in the font here. There's even water in the bowl up in the choir loft. This is an invitation for you to remember your participation in this sacred act, this outward invisible sign of an inward and spiritual grace. Of God inviting you to know 
even deeper the mystery of faith. If you've not been baptized, I invite you to come up as people do. Come and remember their baptism. Come and just check it out. Have a look. Come and touch the water to remember your baptism or to to see what that would look like or feel like for you to experience that sacrament, that sacred act. And as you come, bring whatever it is you have. As God has claimed you and is reminding you of that claim, bring it all. Bring your puzzles that you're wrestling with in life right now. Bring the mystery of your place in faith and in the church and in the world and in God's kingdom. Bring your questions, your concerns, your fears, your doubts. Bring your hopes and your dreams, your joys and your blessings. Bring them all to the water and experience and receive the holy mystery So I'm going to pray a blessing over the baptismal waters. This is a version of the same prayer that we offer when we baptize someone. And I want to ask you if you would bow your head in a a moment of prayer with me. So I'm going to pray a blessing over the water. And then when I say amen, Bill and Alan and the choir are going to lead us in the singing of the hymn. And you're just invited to come as you would. Touch the waters and remember your baptism and be thankful. Let us pray. Everlasting God, your mighty acts of salvation have been made known time and time again through water. From the moving of your spirit on the waters of creation to the deliverance of your people through the flood and through the Red Sea. In time you sent Jesus, nurtured in the water of a womb, baptized by John and anointed by your spirit. He called his disciples to share in the baptism of his death and resurrection and to make disciples of all nations. Pour out your Holy Spirit to bless this water and these who receive it in remembrance that you wash away our sin and clothe us in righteousness throughout our lives that dying and being raised with Christ we may share in his final victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.